Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is Friday, August 27, and uh, wherever you are, whenever you listen to this, I wish you God's joy, God's goodness, and uh, thanks for taking time to break open God's Word with me today. It is a good one. It's one of my favorite parables. Uh, It's an odd one. Um, but it's a good one. And so uh, we're just going to dive right in again. We've been going through Matthew here, right, for an awful long time. Actually, this will be our final time in Matthew because beginning next week, we're going to jump into Luke. And uh, and that makes sense. We're on Matthew chapter 25 and the Passion begins uh, on cha- in chapter 26. And so we won't go into the Passion, of course, until we get into uh, late Lent. And so, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's why we're, we've run through Matthew's gospel, and then we're going to jump over to Luke's, and we're going to hear a lot of the same stories over there, but I'll talk about why that is uh, next week when we get to Luke and maybe some of his sources and things. So, but Matthew, today, Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. Remember, earlier this week, Jesus had been in dialogue, being tested, being uh, confronted, and confronting in return, uh, challenging in return the, the scribes and the Pharisees. But later in the week, he's been talking to his disciples. So that's what we're going to finish with is a parable that he uses with his disciples today. So Matthew 25, 1 to 13. So let's break open God's word and break open this parable today, okay? A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them, but the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for you and us. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, The bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. Then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Brothers and sisters, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So a little background here as we begin. Um, and, and part of that is the what weddings look like, what that celebration of that relationship of a bride and her bridegroom uh, looked like back in the days of, of Jesus. And so it wasn't uh, an affair, a one-day affair, like it often is with us. Um, it was a, a many-day affair, and one of the high points of that was when the bridegroom came 
and was presented to the bride. Now, it's interesting. Renee and I got to partake this last December down in Atlanta, a Hindu wedding. It's the first time either one of us have uh, experienced that. And this student, this young man, a uh, very, very kind uh, young man and his family, uh, this student, or this young man was a student of Renee's and uh, had been so impressed and touched by her in her counseling ministry to him that he invited her to this wedding. So we went down in Atlanta and that too is a, a multiple day affair, but because of COVID, they did it all in one day and it was amazing. But one of the uh, highlights was when the family and all the relatives brought the bridegroom to the bride. And it was so much fun with the singing and the music and the dancing and the, the festivities. And uh, honestly, it was incredibly wonderful. And, and so I, I, I picture that with what's going on here. So anyway, this is, this is real. So he's using, uh, again, Jesus in his wisdom, right? He uses images of agriculture because they're agricultural-based people. He uses images of the wedding feast time and again, right? Uh, because we, we talked about that last week. Come to the feast. Oh, I, I, I just bought some cattle. I got to tend to them. No, come to the banquet. I'm, I'm throwing this feast for my son. You know, and they go out to the, the highways and the hedgerows, right? They, they bring in everybody. And that idea of this relationship with God, Jesus uses this imagery time and again, and he uses it again today, that idea of a wedding, because it's relational, right? It's relational. And he's using a common theme that they would know, and uh, the coming of the bridegroom, and they were asleep. So let's, let's unpack a little bit of the oil uh, and the significance there. Because where I, I could get thrown off, and I think it's easy for people to get thrown off, is that idea of the lamps. And five of the, of the virgins is what they say, ten virgins, really means ten young women. These are the bridesmaids. Um, and, uh, and so five of them have flasks because the, the lamps are oil-based, right? So they have these lamps with oil. And because he's waited so long, the oil, of course, is running low. They had flasks to trim to put more oil in the lamps so they could have, uh, have light. Well, the other five didn't. They prepared the, for, for the coming much earlier and didn't have, let's say, the roots, didn't have the oil, didn't have the depth to go the distance. And, uh, and when they asked for some oil from their friends, they said, oh, I don't think so because because, you know, we may not have enough. We may, we may give you some, we'd have some, and, and wouldn't be enough to last for this feast that we're, we're entering into and, and being invited to. Um, and, and that always threw me, at least when I was younger. You know, why didn't they share? Because isn't that part of what we believe? As, as Catholics, we are called to, you know, what, what is mine is yours, and, and to give. And, and that's not the point of what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying... Uh, you know, this is a lesson in we don't share what we're having. But rather, it's a lesson if we take the parable for what he's inviting us to is um, the, the five foolish virgins are asking something of the five wise virgins that they're not able to share. It's not that they don't want to, but they're not able to. Let me flesh that out. Because again, the parable is pointing to something deeper, Right? It's pointing to this relationship, this union with our God. 
and how you and I are invited to stay awake. It's what we talked about in yesterday's um, gospel, right? We're invited to stay awake. We know not the time when the thief was coming, because if we did, we'd make sure we were ready. Uh, but, uh, but, but our God's going to come to us in an unexpected time, in an unexpected way. Uh, and we have to be ready. We have to be our eyes open, our hearts open, our minds open, so we can say yes to this coming. But if you ask me for that, how can I give that to you? If you say, Joe, give me some of your um, faith in, in Christ. I can't give you that. Uh, that's something that, that, that I have nurtured, you know, whatever, for however X amount of years or, or, or whatever that is. But I, I can't give it to you. It's not like it's external to me and say, okay, I'm going to give you half my faith. Here it is so you can have some too. That's only something you can nurture. Uh, if you said, Joe, give me, give me uh, some of your patience. Well, I can't do that, right? Joe, give me some of your um, understanding uh, of Christ or give me some of your relationship that you've built up with Christ. Well, I can't, I can't do that because, because that's, you know, that relationship. How can I give you some of my relationship with my father? You know, I can't give that to my siblings. I, I can't give you a relationship with, with, you know, I mean, you get the point, right? It's something that, that has been built up. And so what they tell the five foolish virgins is go and buy some yourself. You got to go and work on this yourself. And, and so this is where the, you know, the parable gets a little bit clunky. You know, they go off at midnight, like some merchants would be open to be able to sell them. Ultimately what they're saying is, you know, let's say they go into town, they got, they get some, bridegroom comes, they get back out there, wouldn't be that long, you know, and the bridegroom would never say, I don't know you if this were real and we were to take this in reality. But ultimately, what, what uh, Jesus is pointing to is saying, it takes time, right? It takes time to, to build that relationship, that unity with Christ. It takes time to build that, that faith in Christ and that trust in Christ. It takes time uh, to build that desire uh, to build that oneness, or what all these things, right? To, to be able to stay awake, all these things. So they weren't just going off to a local house, getting some oil and coming back. They had to develop that over time. And by the time they got back, those doors had been shut. Those opportunities had been lost, had been missed. Now, um, thanks be to God. I don't think, again, that the fullness of this parable doesn't tell it all, because thanks be to God, our God doesn't just come once. Our God continues to come. And when we are open, and when we have built up that relationship, when we have built up that ability to say yes, he will always accept our yes. But time is limited. I think what Jesus is saying in that is not untrue. It is real. The time is now, brothers and sisters. What we have before us is a time to trim our lamps. And if we don't have that oil to trim our lamps with, that's not a cause for shame today. It's not a finger wag from me or anybody else today. It's time to say, do I have oil? Am I ready for the, the coming of the bridegroom? And if I'm not, how do I go and get myself ready? That's really the only question. It's not an issue of guilt or shame. It's an issue of what do I have to do? And brothers and sisters, my one response to any of you, and you please give it to me too, because I don't want to sit here and say, I'm ready. I mean, to me, the only answer, the oil that, that, that keeps us afloat, that keeps us burning, 
is prayer. Now, don't think of prayer as just, okay, i got to get on my knees and, and do that always. I mean, that's maybe part of it, right? But Paul tells us in Thessalonians, he makes it clear, pray without ceasing, meaning our whole lives should be prayer. So clearly he doesn't mean with our hands folded on our knees or in a special time just before the Eucharist or whatever that is, although all those are real. He's telling us our very life has to be that life of relationship, of prayer, of discussion, of dialogue with Christ. And not only dialogue with Christ, dialogue with one another because of our dialogue with Christ, right? I mean, all of this is prayer. So is prayer that time of of where we bring our needs before God? In just a little bit, we're going to pray the, the Hail Mary. Is that prayer? Of course that is. Of course it is. But it's not limited to that. Prayer is that time of silence. When I just allow God to speak to me, or even beyond speaking to me, I just allow my heart to be in union with his heart in that silence and allow him to strengthen my inner being. And that's prayer. Prayer is when I'm walking out in creation, God's creation. I, I tell you, I read this, um, I, I read a couple of, of daily devotionals, um, but one of them is, is an old one my mother gave me years ago. I call God Calling. And uh, in it, you know, one of the daily devotionals, I want to say last week, was God saying to these people that, that wrote this devotional how God's very creation, all of it, you know, is imbued with his spirit and his life. And being amongst that helps us understand God on a different level. And so that is certainly a way of praying. Brothers and sisters, going to Mass, because not only does it break open the Word, and we remember who we are, because remember, we're people who forget quite often. That's, I think, what it means to be human. We remember who we are through God's word, uh, and we remember whose we are and what we mean to God. But we take the Eucharist in. We take God's very being into ourselves to help us transform our lives to become more, you know, in the image, conformed to God's image and, and, and the Christ here on earth. All those things, brothers and sisters, I mean, you know, Augustine, of course, says to sing is to pray twice. Uh, that that be filled with that that holiness that some song, not all, but you know, I'm not getting Motley Crue out today. You know, God love them, but uh, but you know, there are other <laughs> music. There's much other music that that can bring us to that place of goodness and 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 depth, brothers and sisters. Always, and when we serve one another, when we dialogue with one another, when we love one another. We live in prayer. How do we trim our lamps? Prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. It's coming and going because that's how we open ourselves to God's grace. That's how we open up to that depth of relationship. It's all about union, brothers and sisters. It's all about relationship. It's all about us saying yes. Yes to God. Yes to who we are, how we are made, what we are called into, and yes to one another because that our being, our union, you know, it, our doing comes out of that being. You know all this stuff. I've said it before. But I love this. That's how we trim our lamps. That's how we help stay awake for that coming. Just know this. Yeah, when we go off and we continue that right now, and, and, and um, we may miss some opportunities. But our God comes to us again and again. That's how good he is. And, uh, and, and the more we are in tune with him, the more we're open to that yes, to that relationship, 
to that presence and we are awake to it. We celebrate a feast day today. So before we pray the rosary, let's talk a little bit about St. Monica. You know, I mentioned St. Augustine just moments ago, right? When he, uh, he said many wonderful things, by the way. Uh, and not just to sing is to pray twice. He said far, far more wise things than that. In fact, as a church, I think if you picked out uh, only a handful of people that absolutely were the foundation of who we are beside Christ and Paul, I think the next two in line may be Augustine and Aquinas. I mean, that's how big Augustine is. Well, his feast day is tomorrow. Today, we celebrate Monica, who is the mother of Augustine. And it's interesting. We don't know nearly as much about Monica. What we know about Monica is through Augustine's writings, particularly in Confessions, uh, his book, Confessions. And, uh, and again, she's, she's kind of like Joseph, isn't she? She's a behind-the-scenes character. But without Monica and without her persistence, and brothers and sisters, I'm going to mention that to you here in a moment of what that looked like. And she was dogged, let's just say that. Um, without Monica, we, we may have an entirely different church or understanding because she helped pave the way for an Augustine. Isn't that wonderful? It's like Andrew and Peter. Andrew was the behind-the-scenes guy. Jesus and, or Joseph and Jesus. It's It's wonderful. We need these behind-the-scenes people, and, uh, and maybe that's what you and I are called to, and that is a wonderful vocation. So anyway, Monica, uh, 4th century. Uh, Monica was born circa 330 or so in uh, northern Africa, and she was a Christian, but her parents gave her in marriage to a pagan, and um, her husband uh, was a good husband but was uh, ill-tempered, on a number of occasions, and uh, and would would kind of blow a stack on occasion. And her mother-in-law was just a piece of work. She was, um, let's just say, cantankerous, and and lived, of course, with Monica and her husband. Well, Monica didn't just grouse about it. She kept her her goodness about her. And a year before her husband died, in the year three seventy one. So when Monica would have been 41, uh, her husband was baptized and um, came to know Christ. And not only her husband, the cantankerous mother-in-law as well. Well, Monica and her husband had three kids, the uh, oldest of which was Augustine. And Augustine uh, was uh, incredibly intelligent, incredibly so, but had disappointed Monica because he... Um, adopted a heresy of the day, which was called Manichaeism. And, and ultimately what that means is it, it looked at the body as uh, evil. And we as Christians and as Catholics, we don't believe that. We believe the body is good, that Jesus fully took on a body and in doing so made all of creation good. That's part of what we believe in the incarnation. Well, anyway, Augustine didn't believe this. It grieved Monica. And she was a dogged mother uh, to him. She would be like, nope, you got to believe this, this, and this. And, and, and Augustine was just like, nope, nope, and nope. And uh, ultimately, Monica had a vision. I mean, she was so close to, to Augustine, she wouldn't, I mean, if he had a shadow, it was Monica. And, and I suspect that got under Augustine's skin on occasion. But uh, Monica ultimately had a vision from God that Augustine would come back to the church. 
So she relented a bit, but just a bit, just a bit, because uh, Augustine decided he wanted to go to Rome and, uh, and do some dialogue and debate and, and uh, whatever he was going to do up there. And Monica said, well, I'm going to come with. And Augustine said, okay, but I'm going to go down to the docks and say goodbye to a friend. And it was really a trick. And he got on the boat and went up to Rome. Well, that grieved Monica, who hopped on the next boat and went up there. By the time she got to Rome, he had already gone to Milan. So, you know, she went to Milan after him. And he's like, woman, I just cannot get away from you. And ultimately, while he was in Rome, he, Augustine, fell under the, uh, the teaching, the, the arm, the mentorship of St. Ambrose, who was the bishop there, and the Archbishop of Milan. And he came to, Augustine came to uh, know Christ through Ambrose and Monica. And so Monica, after Ambrose, or excuse me, after Augustine was, uh, and he and his companions were baptized by Ambrose in Milan, he, Augustine, and his companions went back to northern Africa, but Monica stayed, did not live much longer there because all of what she had lived for, which was her son Augustine, her husband, her mother-in-law becoming Christian, that had happened, and so she was taken into the kingdom. So brothers and sisters, she is a study in persistence. She's a study in the long play, right? I mean, we live in a, in a world of fast food, and, uh, and Google searches that come right before us. Monica didn't. She was in for the long haul. And so that's something that can, I think, challenge us as well. And she was a behind-the-scenes character. But we, you and I today, are better because of her. So we are grateful for her today and Augustine on the Feast of St. Monica. She died about 57 years old. So I'm like, huh, Monica, you and I are about the same age. Hmm. Hmm. But let's pray, shall we? And let's bring all those people in our lives, like Monica did, that we want to bring before our God. Let's do that right now. So we begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The fifth glorious mystery, Mary is crowned Queen of Heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My friends, oh, excuse me, St. Monica, pray for us. You know, and as I was praying that rosary, I just couldn't help but thinking of uh, our mother Mary as, uh, as persistent and dogged and determined as Monica was and praying for us in that same way. So let that idea kind of wash over you as well, that we've got somebody who is persistent and won't let us out there uh, on our own as well. That's good stuff. My friends, be well. Have a wonderful Friday, a wonderful weekend, and I look forward to us breaking open more of God's Word, Luke's Gospel, starting next Monday. God's peace.